around Sharp Scratch. You'll learn why the Sharp Scratch team can't take a good picture, how networking is like making new friends, and whether it's okay to make sponsored content. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 15, what you can do on social media. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we get medical students, newly qualified doctors and expert guests into the studio to talk about all those things that you need to know to be a good med student or junior doctor, but that you probably won't learn at medical school. I'm Lara Nunes-Mulder, and I'm a fifth year medical student at the University of Cambridge. And I'm joined here today by my good pals, Raihan and Anna. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yep, so my name's Anna. I'm a final year medical student at King's College London and I'm also working as the editorial scholar at the BMJ right now. Not at the same time though, right? Uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not studying medicine at the moment, apart from, you know, in my spare time. <laughs> and Rahan. My name is Rahan. I'm a medical school YouTuber and I'm currently intercalating at Imperial College in London. And we are delighted to be joined today by our wonderful expert guest, Dominique Thompson. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, uh, so my name is Dominique. I'm a GP by background and uh, my interest has been for the last 20 years looking after university students and in particular mental health of students. And you've been speaking at the RCGP recently, haven't you? Yeah, that's What was that about? So the Royal College of GPs had their annual conference in Liverpool um, recently and I was invited to run a workshop looking at social media and um, medical students and doctors' mental health, basically the impact um, that it can have, the boundaries that are not always respected, what to do if a patient contacts you and sends you a friend request. Um, So we were looking at all those sorts of aspects of social media in our lives as medics. I'm looking forward to asking you a bit more about the kind of things that we can do to look after ourselves on social media a bit later on. Brilliant. So what social media are we all on? What are you on? Um, so I am also a YouTuber as of today. Nice. <laughs> so I've got my own YouTube channel that I just started last night. and um, But I also do Twitter, LinkedIn, Insta uh, and Facebook. How about you, Rohan? So I use YouTube and Instagram occasionally. Um, I delete my Twitter, but I also use Snapchat. You use Snapchat a lot, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I noticed that um, on the Sharp Scratch uh, landing page, you can uh, actually get in touch with Ryan on tw- on Snapchat because your Snapchat handle is on there. Um, wow, yeah, yeah, man. Know. Yeah, yeah, your social media is okay. all over the place, man. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I have Facebook and Twitter, but I mainly use Twitter. Um, I actually set up my Twitter specifically to be a professional Twitter um, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> <laughs> and like Anna, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. So uh, let's let's get the ball rolling. What's your favourite thing about social media? What do you love about it? Dogs. Dogs of Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not one for the kittens that fall into toilets, but I do love a dog. Um, Well, you know, polling day dogs. Anyway, I could talk about them all day, but I'm actually it's the easiest way for me to stay up to date. And whenever I go to conferences and people say, oh, you know, which which journals do you read now or how do you stay up to date? I said, actually, Twitter keeps me up to date. LinkedIn a little bit, but it's really good because Mm. if you follow the right people, you find out what is hot right now. Mm. Mm. Very true. Mm. 
I think, yeah, to second that, I did create a Twitter without my name or anything. It was just mm. a Twitter just to follow mm-hmm. all the latest news in medtech. And you learn so much if yes. you follow the right people. Mm. Fair. So, I mean, at medical school, it's fair to say we do learn a bit about social media, don't we? We learn mm. all the things we mm. can't do. We learn all the warnings and all the cautions. It's really good that we learn that stuff. But obviously here on Sharp Scratch, we don't want to cover the same stuff as med school. We want to go beyond that. And we want to talk today about all the things that we can do, how to make the most of social media, the really beautiful side of social media. Um, and I think that's a really nice one you've picked up on there. Education It's how we keep up to date with a load of stuff, isn't it? Right. So I think it's pretty relatable that we often use social media to procrastinate from revision <laughs> or procrastinate from the things that we should be doing. There's a flip side, like you can end up um, filling up your feed with people you follow who make educational content, or you can even write up some of the things that you've learned. You know, you can summarize your revision in a few punchy Mm -hmm. tweets or show your mind maps maps off on Instagram. So I'm looking at you, Raihan, because I know that on your YouTube, you have made some content that's for other people who want to get into medicine or who want to make the most of learning. Mm -hmm. How do you make that kind of stuff? Originally, the way I did it was, okay, I knew how difficult it was applying to medicine. I knew where the sort of pitfalls were and where the low-income people were sort of disadvantaged. So, for example, the UK cat. You can't get UK cat advice unless you buy the £20 books or you go on the £300 courses. There's There was literally nothing on YouTube. So, YouTube is free. Anyone can watch it anytime. And within five minutes, you've got five pieces of advice that got me my high high score on, on the UK cat so all I needed to do was think right how did I get my results write that down and just film it and then just edit out all the um and and then all the little gaps <laughs> and then that's it you just put it on yeah. there and people will watch it because it's you're adding value to their time I mean that's a wonderful thing about it isn't it it's free mm. we can learn so exactly. much and it's free yeah um, you actually had the opportunity to speak to someone else who uses social media yeah, as an education platform. Shall we, shall we hear from them now? Yeah, let's listen to Mark. Uh, my name is Mark Corona. I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Copenhagen. Uh, so I have some experience through, uh, through a health think tank that I've recently started uh, working with, with social media. I've also been quite active on Twitter, on the hashtag MidTwitter. Uh, following along um, and have some experience with the idea of tutorials. Um, so a tutorial is basically a collection of threaded tweets aimed at teaching users who engage with them. So for example, that could be a professor or uh, someone who is an expert in a specific field that within three to five uh, tweets, once again threaded together, explains a concept, often a particularly difficult concept, to a wider audience so that so that we're able to, to understand the, the concept in a, in a more simple way. And the nice thing about Twitter is the fact that they're limited to 140 characters per tweet. So the professors or their knowledge experts need to be concise in the way they explain the concept. So as medical, stu- as a medical student, it's nice that we have access to these kind of short, brief, concise definitions and explanations of particularly difficult concepts where everyone uh, has access to them. One of the major uh, developments social media is the fact that that you have more live from conferences and everyone at the conference can kind of see what's going on, but also people not at the conference uh, can see what the developments are. Um, So for example, uh, recently, I think in August, there was a conference on cardiology. I did not attend, but I was following along with the developments of what was happening, what the newest articles were. A couple months later, I had a here explain some of the developments at the conference, but interestingly enough, I've already heard 
uh, what had happened because I had followed along on Twitter. What also happens uh, at these conferences is that it, you can find your hierarchies. Um, so whether you're a medical student or a professor, you're using the same uh, social media platforms and that way you can interact in a way that you wouldn't otherwise be able to. So it's, it's a way of democratizing what happens at the conference, um, but also a kind of unique and new way of, of making sure that that medical students, fellows, residents and uh, professors can all, all interact together. So do you use social media in a similar way to Mark, Dominique? I definitely like to tweet from conferences. Um, the other thing that happens, um, maybe this is uh, in the GP community, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm sure it happens in lots of places, but we'll have an hour, say on a Sunday evening, when we all of us who are interested in a particular topic, medical topic, can go on and uh, the expert in that uh, topic will be available and people can tweet their questions. And, you know, it's it's actually a really relatively easy way to get your CPD when you maybe have a busy life, maybe you've got other commitments, family, whatever. So I think... CPD, that's continuing... Oh, con continuous professional development, mm -hmm. sorry. Oh. And um, so because you have to do, say, 50 hours a year as a, as a GP, you know, and if, if for example, you've got a, a new baby or yeah. a small family or yeah. something, it's very hard to just leave and go and do six hours at a conference, potentially. So if you can do an hour every Sunday on your sofa, um, oh, wow! You so know, social media can count towards yeah, absolutely. Your hours yes, for as long as you absolutely. So as long as you can illustrate That's what you've really done good. and you can mm. sort of say, you know, um, the impact that it's had, because often it's about the impact that it has. So you can say, oh, it's changed my practice because I've realised there's you know a new guidance or guideline or whatever. So I think you know there's a lot about that community side of it mm. that, and I really like what Mark said about the fact that it levels people out. It doesn't matter mm. about the hierarchy which I think in medicine is still can be overwhelming and difficult to overcome so not being afraid to just put a question out there um, and, and having that sort of set say. time and space to yeah. do that is also yeah. really nice no absolutely can you tell me about something that you've learned from social media Yes, I mean, for me, I tend to follow a lot of um, mental health specialists, advisors, government advisors, and so on. So I really like it when, for example, well, you know, nearly every day there will be a new government report or a new national report and so on around mental health. Um, there's one in the news just today. So staying up to date with that could be really difficult if you were just constantly trying to read the papers read all the journals and so on and so one of the great things if you go on twitter each day i'll go on you know maybe on the train or something like that i can go through and just see what the very latest documents are in the papers and for example they will summarize a really important paper that you might not have time to have read all of it yet but you can see what the key points are and so just in the last couple of days there's been uh, an update on the um, say the risks of student suicides there's been done at a national level with the Office of National Statistics and that was really useful because they connect the paper obviously to the tweet then you can go mm, and have a look at mm. that in your own time and yeah, I find yeah. that sort of thing really really helpful for staying up to date. I mean it's kind of true isn't it that often like a, a nicely briefed summary of a paper is a lot easier to read than the paper itself. Mm, I mean, yeah. That, yeah. it's good to read the papers, it's good mm -hmm. to practice our skills, but uh, realistically, in terms of having that broad knowledge update. You can't read everything. And I think that's one of the things that um, maybe once you leave medical school behind, you learn quite quickly that, you know, it's important to stay up to date, but the idea that you should be on top of everything, you realise something has to give. Yeah. So you pick what you're going mm. to stay really up to date with. Mm. I mean, one thing that I've learned 
from social media. I mean, like I, I follow a few med- uh, few medical professionals, and I every now and then a really useful infographic pops up. Yes. Mm. And something that just sticks my mind that is a fact I'll never forget is from an infographic that was said something like "Don't be a dipstick," and it was about not dipping the urine yeah. of people over sixty five yeah. because up to half of people over sixty five mm-hmm. have uh, an asymptomatic bacteria anyway. So you might as well toss a coin. Uh, to decide whether or not they've got a UTI, yeah. if that's if that's method you want to yeah. use, so it's much better to think about UTI based off yeah. symptoms. That's yeah. something I'll you know mm. I'll never forget that now because that handy yeah. infographic. Images are brilliant for that as well. Mm. I think that's where you know social media is so fantastic. We learn in lots of different ways, but just mm. reading a possibly slightly dry paper is not ideal. Mm. Um, and then when you see it done in a really clever graph or with a cartoon or something like that, I think that's fantastic if people can do that. Have any of you guys ever tweeted or posted or uploaded anything that other people have found really educational? Yeah, well, I I hope that people have found my um, two TEDx talks um, helpful or interesting. Oh, cool. I've certainly had some nice feedback. Ooh, what, um, were they from about? People. what were they about? So the first one was called um, "What I Learned from Seventy Eight Thousand Consultations with University Students," and it's about <laughs> ten minutes long. So did I you actually to... talk to seventy eight thousand medical students? Oh yes, I, oh, no, not medical lot. students, all students, all, all students, students. Oh, some any of them students, are medical yeah, students, yeah. some of them are vet students. I have a whole range that I've looked after mm-hmm. in my time, um, and so basically. I thought if I could summarise some of the key themes, it might be useful or helpful to teachers, parents, mm. other students, obviously mm. lecturers, uh, as well as healthcare professionals. So in that 10-minute um, TEDx, I cover a lot of things like uh, the competitiveness of society, perfectionism, the impact on stress, mental health, and so on. So that was that one. Um, and I I gave it my all and I was really, really pleased with it and thought, well, that's, you know, that you can tick that off the bucket list. I've done, done the TED, TED talk. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then that's, about, that's quite an achievement. I know, and then two months yeah. later, I got, could you could you come and do a TEDx talk at a different, obviously in a different place? And I thought, oh my gosh, it's like the difficult second album. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing left. Oh, it's like, that's it. I gave it my all. So what did so you talk about? I racked my reins and I've called this one Understanding Why. And um, there's a sort of subtitle that is basically around what young people wish their parents knew. And Mm. it actually covers difficult topics like self-harm. So why do young people use self-harmful behaviours and how to approach it if they do so that you are compassionate and you listen and but really understand why and that it's not about the what they're Mm. doing it doesn't matter if they're cutting or burning or whatever else it's actually don't focus on that focus on why it's happening and that will help you to help them so that so you've gotten some good feedback and people have found that kind of content how how did you share it so 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 actually the second one only went out in the last couple of days because it takes time from when you do it to for it to be on YouTube and uh, it takes a while um, mm. for TEDx to up- yeah. upload it. So that one I'm still waiting to hear uh, a bit more, although mm. one or two people already on Twitter have said, I've found this really enlightening mm. for talking to my teenager mm. or whatever. So I'm really pleased about that. Um, so yeah, I, I guess in answer to the question, um, I think that I hope when I've put things like that out, they've they've been useful. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> All right, so we're going to dive into another really enriching part of social media uh we're going to talk about the joys of networking Mm -hmm. Uh, but that will be right after this how much do you care about indemnity right now probably not a lot you're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients 
But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. All right, back to the show. So another really beautiful part of social media is the ability to network. So uh, so I, w- I recently Googled networking. I was about to go to a fancy event and I Googled how to network and I got onto the WikiHow. Nice. WikiHow nice. for networking. Fully illustrated. Wow. Yeah, fully illustrated. Yeah. Step wow. by step, how to I network. I never follow WikiHow. They're like <laughs> the bog standard. More, it's just generic information that yeah. isn't really relevant. Are you serious? I love this networking how-to. Honestly, it really transformed. <laughs> it made me so much more confident. I was, but what it taught me is that networking is a professional word for making new friends. It is. Right? It is. And that's what it is. Social media is beautiful for that. Beautiful for making new friends. So what, what platforms do you find most useful out of the world ones that we use? for making those connections i've used linkedin and it's amazing um i don't know about you mm-hmm. tell me more what, what's so amazing i think it was just the fact that instagram first of all you have it's so popular and you have like the people that you want to to get in touch with there they will have like hundreds of thousands of people like followers and you can't really get into their dms and message them and and make it seem like genuine like okay i genuinely want to work with you to learn a bit more about you linkedin you follow them they'll have what maybe 500 connections and they're all professional people then they're, they're not little kids or like just um, <laughs> you know fangirls and yeah. like or whatnot like it's people professional people yeah. and you connect with them and you can send them a message and one time there was a quite a big health tech company um and I watched the CEO's interviews on YouTube and read all his articles on online and I was genuinely inspired and fascinated by what he did accomplished and what he was doing with his company. So I reached out to him on LinkedIn, sent him a message and it was a short message. You've probably not, re- I said, you've probably not received a message like this before. <laughs> you might find it a bit weird, but I'm a medical student and I'd love to work with you for two days. I've watched your, your interviews and I think the work you're doing is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Is it okay if I get one or two days to work with you? And then he replied. He was like, actually, Raihan, thank you for reaching out to me. Like, it's really nice to read your message. And it's nice that you took the initiative to reach out to me on LinkedIn. So I'll pass you on to my um, PA and you can get in touch and you can come shadow me whenever you want. And now he's like, we talk and we email. He's He's a CEO of a 20 million pound startup and... Like he was the advisor for the CEO of the NHS yeah, and whatnot. His I can CV, see why you admire him. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really nice really connection good. to make. And yeah. the stuff he's done is really influential yeah. and he saved the NHS billions of pounds and it's yeah. it's really good. That's yeah. And that's through really LinkedIn, cool. you get... You I've get actually recently had... I've been on the receiving end 
of a networking. This is my someone the first reached time out to you. Oh, that's so exciting, me. Anna. And it was on LinkedIn. Yeah, what someone, a big name you are. Someone reached yeah. out to me and they said, I noticed that you've done a, a lot of writing and I'm, I want to get involved in like write, medical writing and mm. can you can you give me some advice? And I was genuinely so like child oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah i was like oh someone's yeah. looked at my linkedin and i basically use linkedin as a repository so i can remember the stuff that i've done like, like a yeah like basically a online cv essentially yeah, yeah. yeah. um so yeah i was like i don't know i was just like a bit like oh someone thinks i'm worth talking to yeah, it's yeah. fantastic though. i mean that's that's how i got in touch with Ryan the first time isn't it like yeah. i saw your stuff on youtube got in touch with you via your email address like your little contact address yeah. on there that's how we first got talking isn't it exactly uh, through social media oh, yeah, so about- you're saying without social media there would be no sharp scratch also yeah all these yeah. people who get in touch with us who provide us with like little clips and so on mm. responding to our call outs yeah man i love love that connection that we get from our like it's the way that we get to chat to our listeners mm-hmm. right isn't it that's mm-hmm. that's how we make connections go between the studio and between the people yeah. listening mm. how about you what what kind of opportunities have you taken through social media i mean i'm really glad to hear the stories about linkedin actually because mm. I, I use it and it is very much the professional you know network but i have had students describe it to me as sort of facebook on steroids they find it terrifying the <laughs> idea that people <laughs> are sort of putting What's all so their terrifying? info well no absolutely yeah. so i'm delighted to hear yeah. because you know i think it can be really useful yeah. and i've had lots of people reach out to to me um you know through linkedin and say you know can i um, maybe talk to you about the work you're doing and so yeah. on so i i get I get yeah. that quite a bit, which I think is is great. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind people, um, you know, making making that move. Um, for me, I quite like it when, say, you've been following people on Twitter, and then you go to a conference, and you realise they're an actual yeah. human person, and yeah. then you meet them, and you know, you <laughs> yeah. finally sort of in person sort of get to be a friend, yeah, not just on yeah, social yeah. media. So I quite like that, and that was quite there was quite a lot of that at last. Uh, last week's uh, Royal College of GPs conference of, of GPs all on Twitter going, oh my God, I've just seen all the people I follow walk into the room. It's <laughs> just brilliant. Yeah, it's so nice when it like spills over yeah, into, your, real into life. Your real life. Yeah. yeah. And that was what was so interesting for me chatting with Becky, who we're going to hear from, mm. um, because I'd followed her on Twitter for a really long time. Um, and I reached out to her and, and said, oh, look, you know, I'm doing this podcast about social media, not really expecting her to, to have the, the time to to chat with me but um she did and and I said this is you know this is so surreal Mm. sort of hearing your voice I I, I didn't meet her in person I just spoke to her on the phone but even that was like oh I've followed you for so long and I feel like (laughs) I know you but I don't know you at all yeah so what did you guys get to talk about so we spoke a lot about networking and particularly how to get started with networking so um Becky's really big on Twitter so we, we mainly focused on that Hi, my name's Becky Fisher. I'm doing a post-FY2 research year um, before hopefully going on and training in general surgery. One of the first questions that I get asked people is how do you begin on Twitter? Because it's such a sort of broad community and lots and lots of people to follow and knowing where to begin and kind of get your foot in, I suppose, to, into that community and seeing things that you think are interesting and relevant to you. Often, um, if you just start with some of the big societies that are related to you or your interests and maybe you do some of those national things have a look at whatever college of whatever specialty you might be interested in or uh, student societies nearby and then what I did is have a look at the people who are following 
those people um have just have a browse around profiles see who who is who are the people who are talking the most who are the people who uh, you find their feed interesting and things and then twitter will start recommending people to you and i, I actually just found you just do a bit of a splurge to begin with eventually you'll populate your feed with things that you do or don't like and you'll kind of go in another direction there's no harm in following loads and loads and loads of people because you get a bit of a feel of it you can always unfollow people if you're not interested in what they have to say I suppose I think that's where I'd start after that I'd probably look locally so if you're a student your own university medical school page which most people have and then see who are the people who are interacting with those tweets because those are probably the people in your community that are already on Twitter and that's how you find your own real life friends one of the things that's strange about Twitter is it's a completely normal environment in which to follow people that you don't know, which I found quite weird to begin with. So you have a conversation and it's completely normal to weigh in on a conversation and people comment on your, your tweets who you've never met. You have no idea who they are. And sometimes problematically, it doesn't say on their feed who they are either uh, at all. So um, you've got to have your own rules with yourself about how you respond to things like that. The good thing about it is if you want to get involved in Twitter, just get part of the conversation. Whatever you're interested in, there'll be a conversation happening about it on Twitter, um, particularly in the because it's such an active community especially when people are using sort of trending hashtags and things like that I think then it's a free fall you can talk talk to whoever you want and you never know who you'll end up being quote-unquote Twitter friends with a few of my other personal rules and lots of other people behave very differently but I think it's a safe thing if you've not used Twitter before don't ever tweet angry or upset save what you want to say as a draft and you'll probably decide later on that actually that's not something I want to say because for whatever reason. And then my own other personal rule, which is slightly more contentious, is never arguing with somebody on Twitter because often what you say in defence in the heat of the moment may be something that actually doesn't reflect well on you at all. So it's often best not to engage, actually. We can all have these, these heated discussions in real life, but sometimes Twitter misses the nuance of what we say in real life. And that's where people get into trouble on Twitter. And remembering that things that you do tweet are going to be there permanently because anybody can screenshot something. Those are probably the main things. That's where I'd start. So, Dominique, what's Mm. your favourite tip for someone who's newly starting on a social media platform? So I think uh, initially I would keep things quite broad. So pick a few people from a few different um, interests that you've got, whether mm. those are you know medical specialties, as we were saying, or whether it's um, actually just different hobbies, different parts of the country, different parts of the world, depending on what you're into, maybe make keep it broad. I think you can get a bit too much down a rabbit hole if you stick with the same few mm. people all the time. I mean, that's what we talk about with like yeah. a social media bubble, right? You yes. can create yourself a little bubble. Yes, yeah. yes mm-hmm. definitely. In a way, you can't really avoid so, the bubble no the bubble maybe but i do think if you um don't narrow down your interest too quickly Mm. i think that that can be helpful Mm. um and then in terms of i mean you probably know this already but i i have what we all call the daily mail rules which is uh don't post anything you wouldn't want to see on the front page of the daily mail so um Mm. that's quite a nice addition to uh becky's tips Mm. that she gave us absolutely And, and if you stick to that um i think you you know you at least (laughs) <laughs> won't go too far wrong really so um what, what kind of thing would you where do you start when it comes to if for a new professional social media platform i mean you've started one from scratch haven't you with the intention yeah, of being professional yeah what did you start off posting i 
essentially just retweeted for about the first year I was on Twitter. I didn't make any of my own tweets. I was so nervous about (laughs) what it was I was going to say. And particularly, obviously, because of what we discussed at the beginning, like all of the things you hear about you shouldn't be doing on social media. It was quite daunting. So I just spent a really long time adding to what other people had said rather than um, yeah, making my own tweets. Um, and then I just sort of started tweeting about like what I was doing on a day to day basis. And by the way, just a disclaimer to the listeners, like I have like five, 500 Twitter followers. Like I'm not big on Twitter at all. Um, you know, Dominique, that's for I'm sure. No, Dominique, no, Rihan. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely no Rihan. <laughs> I, don't, um, I, I don't have that. Opinion, just, just letting so yeah, I started tweeting about like bits and pieces I was doing. Like if I was at a conference, I would mm-hmm. do a few tweets. And then I actually got asked to help out at a conference and my job at the conference was live tweeting it um and after that i got a lot more confident on using twitter and like Mm. actually making my own tweets but i do still generally tweet about like stuff that i'm up to i keep it very personal because i feel like as a medical student like i don't have any particular expertise Mm. so it's not really my place to be adding to conversation like that apart from to ask questions i mean i totally agree if i'm ever going to post something that's like a fact it'll be something that someone more qualified exactly. than me has said that I'm reporting that they've said you exactly. know like when you hear a conference talk or something yeah. passing on facts like that rather than mm. <laughs> things from my own knowledge <laughs> then hopefully someday we'll be doctors and we can contribute to the to hashtag med twitter mm. I mean that's what that's what it is on twitter mm-hmm. I don't know if there's similar hashtags on instagram I don't know if you ever delved into um, the medical community on insta I've never really delved into it I follow a lot of medical pages mm. on mm. instagram and they just post a lot of pictures and questions and like little bite-sized chunks of knowledge and like clinical images clinical yeah Mm. a lot of them are clinical so in my clinical yeah that was so helpful just because you'd go go into the wards and then you'd come back and you don't really want to be studying after a long day on the wards so you just go on your instagram and then you're just testing or you're learning passively Mm. you don't even notice it but it doesn't feel like learning it doesn't feel like you're you're forcing yourself to revise or study Mm. Yeah. yeah I think there's something about when you first start, I mean, I'm trying to think back for me, but um, you probably, you're quite right and take a little bit of time to immerse yourself in it and see what other people are posting and what they're writing. And there's something about the language that's sort of um, okay to use and Mm. making sure, it's not about being politically correct, but there are definitely, you know, language changes um, and you by following um both um non-medical people and medical people you'll you know you pick up within your specialty or your interests what perhaps the right language is to use um unfortunately the problem with social media is that people can take offense or feel very sensitive quite quickly even when you absolutely didn't mean to write Mm. anything uh, that might have upset them Um, and it's always so hard isn't it to bear in mind the fact that there are so many different experiences of life that no matter what your view or opinion it's bound to be the wrong one to someone so you have to be quite confident in what you're saying and quite um comfortable with the language that you're using um we've we've say we talk a lot about people with um with lived experience now which Mm -hmm. is a much nicer more compassionate way um than to say even something like i don't know expert patient or patient you know and and it's it's just picking that up takes time Mm -hmm. and you sort of have to be immersed in it for quite a while so i think it's absolutely the right thing to do is to take your time before you start posting what you've highlighted there is another sort of of the educational aspect this Mm. sort of like cultural things that's a wonderful thing about social Mm. media is you have these conversations with 
people with lived experience yes. that you might you wouldn't get to do in a ward setting or some or other pla- other places where you meet no. where as healthcare professionals you know we meet the people that we serve mm. yes mm-hmm. and it's a much more even playing field and mm. they might be expressing how they've experienced um, either just the NHS that time that day or they, they might be a carer mm. or they might you know be worried about somebody who is in hospital and so on and it, it just is a really useful thing to do before you sort of launch yourself on the mm. world um with your with your viewpoints which might be absolutely valid but it's just important to bear in mind there are so many different other viewpoints out there so i mean i want to pick up on something there so you Mm. talked about um some of the trickier aspects of social media and this i mean this is not stuff that's specific to being a healthcare professional it's just part of the pitfalls of social media Mm. you know wherever you go there is false information there are trolls there is uh sort of uh extreme reactions to things mm. and perhaps things that are said online that wouldn't be said face to face right yeah. wherever you go mm. these things happen so from your perspective what kind of things can we do to take care of ourselves mm. while mm. we're using social media well i i suppose one of the things i suppose it worries me because i've looked after so many young people um and i'm aware you know how many might um be struggling say with anxiety or low mood or mm. um sometimes think about harming themselves and so on and then i will see young people not necessarily people i've met or, or know but they will be posting about how they're feeling and I suppose making themselves quite exposed and vulnerable online uh, in in a variety of different social media uh, spaces. And on the one hand, they might get lots of support and validation Mm -hmm. and positive feedback. Um, But as you have just said, there are some unpleasant people out there who Mm -hmm. will take advantage of that, um, whether they're trolls or just, you know, whether we just say they're just ignorant and unkind. Um, I worry that this... um, this movement towards being more open about mental health which has many many positives that in social media space can actually allow you to be more uh, hurt as well Mm. so it's one thing to be open with your family your friends people you trust who you know doing it in a very public space like that I have I've just worried basically when I've seen you know um, uh, maybe them being very open um, that that they are making themselves more more vulnerable. I know some people would say, well, that's very brave or inspiring, but I also think you have to balance the risk to your own well-being. Uh, and maybe it isn't always worth the risk of being brave. Maybe it is better to protect yourself. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. It is a difficult, it's not a right I or mean, wrong. Yeah, that is quite a tricky space, yes. sort of the mental health aspect. Yes. How about, I mean, I mean, like loads of medical students will have some experience with mm. poor mental health, mm. uh, if not personally, then through friends and so on. Yeah. Um, and then I think another part that's quite common to the medical student experience is uh, sort of an atmosphere of competitiveness or perfectionism, mm. would you agree? <laughs> like, I think that about LinkedIn sometimes. For like, sure. I go on LinkedIn and I'm like, oh, there's so many people doing all these amazing things. Yeah. And like, I'm behind. And I I know I'm not. And, you know, I've I've had these interactions on these spaces for quite a long time. So I feel like it's not so much of an issue for me. But like, if you're just starting out or if you're, if like you're saying you are more vulnerable and mm. and you're seeing these other people sort of presenting their best selves on of social course. media yeah i don't know do you do you guys think that's a problem i don't okay i think it's the mindset that you have so i know a lot of people who don't use linkedin primarily for that reason or facebook for that reason they say oh it's just like i've i've had quite a bad response when i've told my friends about linkedin they're like oh 
what so I just watch people bragging about how good their life is it, okay yeah you can see you can see it that way but it's all perspective see I if if I were to use LinkedIn I use I check it quite often and when I see a post which it, someone's achieved something and they've gone through all, like a lot of hardship and and now are doing amazing things it's nice it, if anything it's inspiring like okay mm. like there's people like this out there who are struggling but they've made something of themselves now that means if anything i can do the same so from today what can i do that will push me and to elevate myself and my situation but then the other perspective is okay wow thank you for sharing this mm. your life is so great mine is and i've got this going on i've got that going on well okay so i mean it can kind of depend it, on it what like space you are when exactly. you're using yeah. social media like if, there's there's something about what we bring to it right mm -hmm. then it's it's it's, yeah. you, it's your mindset if you don't if if that's the mindset that you have then i think social media will be harmful to your mental health as in if you think okay it's about people bragging about their life and stuff my advice would be just it would probably be best to stay away from either following those people or just off linkedin or off mm. certain social media because it can affect people's mental health if you don't have the right mindset to it yes i mean obviously we didn't you know we didn't want to today um and i've probably unfortunately brought it around to sort of maybe some of the more negative aspects but i do think it's important not to forget that um and that competitive element is one of the things i do talk about in my tedx talk about how social media is essentially a magnifying glass for all the perfectionism and all the competitiveness that's out there in society mm -hmm. and it just allows people to sort of focus it down mm. um but i also think that a lot most young people realize that it yeah. is not uh, reality and that it is you know your mm -hmm. best self being put forward the problem is that everybody then feels the pressure to be their best self you know 24 mm. 7 so we are exploring we're still finding our way i mean it's such mm -hmm. a new topic yeah. i don't yeah, think I there are quick fixes or quick answers yeah. so i guess we went a bit into the pitfalls that we can have here mm. you know and and there's so many more that we'll know from mm -hmm. med school you know like keeping confidentiality and not blurring the patient doctor boundary but let's get back onto something that you can do on social media so Raihan I'm looking to you because I've heard that you can earn money by being on social media mm. was that mm. from one of those adverts yeah. that they sent to you in your <laughs> inbox Laura? Told, told you <laughs> well because no, um, I've seen like I know Chidera okay. has done some sponsored yeah. content mm. and I know that you've done some sponsored content so I guess what I'm curious about is um, you know it being, being professionals mm -hmm. in training, how do you, what kind of tools do you use to help you decide what you're willing to take payment for and things okay. like that? Okay, so you have, first of all, you have your own ethics and certain morals that you stick by. And then you have like, so the main, the, the values, the core values that you created your, your platform for. Mm -hmm. So my core value was that I created this platform to help students get into medical school that like students from disadvantaged backgrounds. Now, the sole purpose of me creating this channel was because the courses on offer were ridiculously expensive and mm -hmm. they don't offer bursaries for students from deprived backgrounds and even if they do they're not really responsive they just it's just a, mm. a little sentence on their website but really they, they don't they don't mean it because i never got that help when i wanted yeah, to sure so if i then get a sponsorship deal from those companies that i'm not really fond of mm they they've offered to pay huge amounts of money which would pay for my accommodation for like university my accommodation expenses like that sort of money you have to then remember actually no 
That's not that's not, not what you stand it's not for. It's not what I platform. stand for, and it's mm. not. And they've they're so persistent as well. Like oh, they hard. they keep getting into. I mean, that's a compliment again, to you, though, isn't it? It's, it's nice because you've got a good platform I like and it. so on. It is nice, um, but then I, I I would say it's empowering for me to think, okay, I I have the ability to now stand on my two feet and say, no, I actually don't want your help, and my channel is aimed at helping people get in without you, you yeah, know the courses yeah. that you have on offer, and yeah. you have to kind of remember that. Because it can be easy to get carried away when mm. they flash all of this cash mm. in I mean, your face. Yeah. And, and I imagine there's also sort of like professional values that help you keep in check as well. Exactly. Like I imagine you wouldn't take money from farmer. I'm going to assume that. So that you there wouldn't. was there's there's companies that they they got in touch. They say okay, we help student, we write student essays for them, <gasps> assignments. That's not allowed. We, we'll pay you money. <laughs> oh, <and no. laughs> we'd like you to promote our company. No. We'll pay you money. We'll write you your essays. Do that, Ryan, would of you? course, it's no, and that's, again that's that cheating, goes man. against cheating. professionalism. Yeah. We love integrity. That's, exactly. a, that's an easier so, decision. But I think if they're a, a sort of, you know, a legit company, um, mm -hmm. but maybe not entirely in keeping with what your values mm -hmm. are, I think that must be really hard. And maybe that's a new and interesting topic to, to think about. Maybe another podcast is, is if you've probably already done it, actually, is how, <laughs> how medical students, you know, earn, earn money to get through their studies. Interesting you should say that, because I think we're going to be talking a bit about that on the next episode. There's a lot of there's a lot of different um, routes to make money through social media. Yeah. And there's various terms. You'll probably hear affiliate marketing and. All right. Well, um, I think this has been a really interesting conversation. I've really enjoyed talking with you guys about the kind of things that we can actually get out of social media beyond the warnings that university give to us. So, mm. I mean, Raihan, what's been your main takeaway from today? So I will now create a professional Twitter where I actually need to study for it. So like I said, like I said, I'm taking a year out of medicine to do an intercalated degree in management and it's completely management related. There's no clinical aspect to it. Mm. So when I get back in 50, I, I'm going to struggle. So mm. I need to keep up to date with my medical revision. So while I'm doing that, I will post updates about what I've learned on that day and whatnot yeah, on my medical cute. Twitter. So yeah. you can follow Dominique, you can follow me, you can follow Anna, yeah. and of course you can follow BMJ student. Which exactly. I'm sure you will. Right? Yep. So that's my main takeaway from this. <laughs> oh, that's this. so cute. Are you actually going to do it? I'm actually going to do it now, yeah. You need oh, a sick. nice like headshot. Mm. I've got a very weird professional headshot on mine, which oh. I don't really like, but I don't have <laughs> okay. a best picture. So yeah. I mean, you're not that photogenic, can are you really? No. Oh. Gutted. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> JK, obviously, it's a, it's a cracking picture. Have you seen my picture on the BMJ shop scratch? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it looks like it's, this is the last place I want to be. <laughs> oh, anyway, how about you, Anna? What's been your main takeaway from today? I think just like having my eyes open to the other platforms, like maybe I should use LinkedIn more. Maybe I should get on YouTube. Like I don't use YouTube at all. So maybe that's a new thing for me to explore. And Dominique, what do you think med students and newly qualified doctors really ought to know about the, the diversity and breadth of social media? Uh, I mean, I just think it's a fantastic fantastic place to to find your tribe you know um the world is a complicated place right now and mm. sometimes you just need to you know have the place that you feel comfortable and able to go be yourself um and remind yourself there are other people like you out there i think it can be you know people talk about the negatives but actually it can be really positive for that 
and I've also taken away that I might go and find myself a massive great pharma company to sponsor me. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we do not advocate that on Shark Scratch. Totally <laughs> I was like, I did not think of that. I'm, gonna, I'm, so <laughs> I'm joking. I write books for charities. <laughs> That's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. Uh, if you'd like to hear more from us, then subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks' time, you'll get our next episode straight to your phone. And in the meantime, you can follow us on our wonderful social media. Woo-hoo. We're at BMJ Student on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, you can go to bmj.com forward slash Sharp Scratch to find out where you can follow all the guests, all the panelists, and social media as well. Uh, let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag sharp scratch uh, and we also would love to hear your ideas for the things that we could cover later on down the line uh, and whilst you're at it it's so useful if you can leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts because it really does help other med students find the show and Raihan absolutely loves it yeah, loves reading the podcast I've reviews. not read any of your reviews for a while because no one's been posting so I haven't please. read any of them because I don't have an iPhone just you can go online mate go on the website (laughs) get tech savvy just go online (laughs) anyway next time we'll be talking about money money at med school money as a new doctor until then goodbye from me bye bye and bye from me bye